0: Hot Takes of a Cult Kid Check out FrankieTees.substack.com for more information Welcome to Hot Takes of a Cult Kid, I'm your host, Frankie Tees. Well, there's a quick pre-show review comment here I'd like to make Before we get into episode 6 of How to Become a Cult Leader Sun Myung Moon Become Immortal So today I'll review episode 6, and I want to start by teasing next week's episode. I've become sort of a tea leaf reader, joking, of what documentaries will appeal to what crowd. Will they appeal to survivors? And will they appeal to tragedy tourists? And there's some that appeal to both. HBO and Netflix and occasionally Hulu have made quite a few of these, probably none more than Netflix though. Annie has been the original producer of many religious cult documentaries and other documentaries on cults before Netflix really picked up the torch. Having said that, the episode next week, I want to give my opinion about what shows appeal to who from the survivor's point of view. So see you there for that. The Hollywood Reporter wrote a scathing interview about this documentary, Episode uh, 1 through 6, How to Become a Cult Leader. Yet as a survivor, I found this show easy to watch and learned facts that I didn't know about each group, though having studied them all before. And they chose one of the best, most knowledgeable authors on these groups, Dr. Yanya Lalish, who is a sociologist from UC Chico in California for uh, one of the commentators. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. I like the show a lot and much more can be said, but if you're going to squeeze something into 30 minutes from a producer point of view, from a survivor point of view, from a voiceover point of view, talking about the animation, moving the story along, it was great. Many things were omitted in an effort to give a sweeping view. Of those covers, and I know those editor choices because I've made them, I thought the formula made people want to look more into each group and into coercion in general. Covering the money angle of the Moonies is super important because they've become an empire in the United States and around the world and, you know, rooted also in South Korea. Okay, so having given you this long intro prep, Let's start with the intro for the last time as we review how to become a cult leader. Endure forever. q tape. Unconditional love. Endless devotion. By offering the right package, you can control people's minds and close them off to everything else. All of us... End up in times in our lives where we are feeling a little bit lost a little bit vulnerable a good cult leader will come in and say i've got just the thing an elusive promise is a surefire method for hooking people in you can say anything as long as it's for the church's purposes you are now so programmed to so easily accept death there are alternatives to lead a spiritual movement You have to show perfection in action. It's very important to convince people there is something sacred about you. Cult leaders adopt whatever stance can be effective for them. Mass weddings. Drugs. Plastic surgery. Weapons to fight. Evil. You need people to think that you mean well. You can't have them feel manipulated. Manson said if they're completely helpless, they're of no use. The number of followers is like money in the bank. The more you have, the more power you have. I think about those 900 people following this evil man to the point of no return. If these groups were advertising what they're really about, nobody would join. Okay, let's start at the top. Leader's son, Myung Moon check out Reverend reverentsonyoungmoon.org was a korean religious leader claiming he was the second coming of the messiah oh yeah but with guns <laughs> another internet nugget is the fbi vault at vault.fbi.gov forward slash sun dash m-y-u-n-g dash moon From Korea, born January 1920, died 2012, Moon was obsessed with the American dream, according to narrator Peter Dinklage, delivering vocal lines to us as if each drop were chocolate mousse. The Moon family settles in New York, posing as a Christian church. They set up conservative values, church, and then pull a bait and switch. The show claims this group Of all the massive 70s era cults and religions, this is the most successful group and that the Unification Church grows, endures, and has embedded themselves worldwide but rooted in the United States, including multiple businesses who do not claim the name of the church but earn for them and are owned by them, such as sushi providers in the United States. We'll mention other businesses later in this broadcast. Using politics, money and religion, the Unification Church, has become immortal and endures today. Sun Young Moon's destiny was fate shown in a vision as a teen. We see the face of Teddy Hose in the documentary, a former member of the church talking about the Moonies. See his Twitter at Teddy Hose. T-E-D-D-Y-H-O-S-E. Members were instructed to use deception in recruiting new blood because the message may be too extreme. They were taught to act as if they were fellow students, and so forth. Known as early names, such as One World Crusade, they had walk-across-America events and pushed the book Divine Principle by Sun Yong Moon. They used love-bombing which was made a household word by Stephen Hassan, absent from this production, but a previous member who is a psychologist on the topic. He got love-bombed and recruited as a college student. But it is a 30-minute episode, so I understand they can't include everyone. They do use Rachel Bernstein and Dr. Yanya Lalish to move the story along, sharing that indoctrination terms used were like god led you here moon was john the baptist to prepare members for the second coming the business part of the unification church is where their power lies animation shows a cat holding a gun hotels universities grenades tea food sushi Song young moon and his clever accountants declared themselves a religion to avoid taxes. Free labor came with membership growth. Moms worked as volunteers. Moon's children were treated like royalty and successors with riches and bodyguards. The push then became breeding new, sin-free babies to rule the world. Moon staged huge stadiums of wedding events group weddings, and the weddings included carrying guns, the bride and the groom carrying guns. How were mass wedding maids chosen by Moon? This, to me, is one of the strangest, most overt parts of the church history that people do not talk enough about. It's sheer insanity, and you need to check out Falling Out Podcast with Elgin Strait to get more of the real story. There was no mingling pre-marriage, says the documentary. Moon picked spouses in a huge room. Still, no mingling would go on sometimes for years. The massive group weddings at a stadium would be huge PR stunts that got media coverage on a worldwide scale. Live TV, pre-live streaming, so it would be on television. It's a Christian conservative event with Korean-born leadership in the United States. Moon has adoration at events packing Madison Square Garden, Yankee Stadium, the Washington Monument, in mass weddings to demonstrate power. Raising the second generation included teachings that were extreme. They're militant extremists, by the way. Camp Sunrise was a place for second generation cult kids. Swimming, archery, hiking, theology, Corporal punishment were all taught, and the kids were warned of scary, nasty deprogrammers who, back in that time, would kidnap people to snap them out of their brainwashing. Moon's children were called true children in this new created world of theirs. Those kids born into the cult were called blessed children, Everyone else was sinful children born of Satan. (laughs) If you have sex outside of the born-in purity, all is ruined. Moon politically appealed to right-wingers and the anti-communist movement. He faced prison for IRS irregularity in his personal bank account. He is defended publicly by other churches who work to exonerate him. But a note to listeners, in 1984, he was eventually imprisoned for filing false federal income tax and conspiracy. He was given 18 months, according to Wikipedia, and he was given a $15,000 fine. He served 13 months of that sentence at the Federal Correctional Institution, Danbury, which is in Connecticut. While in prison, he worked in the kitchen. From prison, Moon launched secretly the Washington Times news organization. That's still running today. It was secretly run by him the entire 13 months. Some people don't even know it's a Unification Church publication to this day. Check out the Washington Times news organization. According to the narrator, Moon set himself up right following the playbook, Become Eternal. In 2004, Moon went to the United States Capitol and received the Ambassador for Peace Award. He was nicknamed the King of Peace by the White House. He was validated by Congress. He found the International Federation for World Peace, which also promoted interfaith cooperation and reconciliation. In 2008, Reverend Hung Jin Moon was named top leader. That's his son. Moon's other sons and daughters were put in charge of the church's business and charitable activities in South Korea and abroad. The documentary does not note that Moon's parents were fascists in their beliefs. It clearly was a part of the fabric from which he's woven. In 2012, at the death of Sun Young Moon, the show tells us it becomes like a game of thrones internally in the Moon family. Everyone claims to be the one. The legend was carried on in the end and now by the wife and son Preston. The legend that Moon ushered in the second coming of Christ, that one, they're carrying that on. Sean, one of the other sons, broke off and has his own faction called Rod of Iron Ministries. He wears the bullet crown. Narrator Peter Dinklage sums up the six episodes of How to Become a Cult Leader with a retrospective of the stages Build Your Foundation in Episode 1, Grow Your Flock, Control Minds, Offer Salvation, Protect Your Image, and Endure Forever. The show cites that the perfect chaos exists now for a cult leader to flourish. Yes, indeed it does some of us are out here trying to remind people to critical think or pass on techniques to start critical thinking. Overall, I love the show. While there's been criticism from the public, I get it. There's always a lot to cover, but I like that it didn't preach or promote the cult recovery industry per se, which is completely corrupt in my opinion. Each of us need to think for ourselves, and I think that's the message that's very clear from this broadcast, and be our own gurus based upon knowledge of other humans gained, not fantasy of a few, not doomsdayism, not prophets from a cave. I'm sorry. The cult leader clearly plays on the whims and dreams of humans. It's our job to nip it in the bud as we go through life and help others to do the same. To avoid idolatry of other humans, that is the wrong path and leads to destruction. And rarely is there accountability of the guilty parties around to pick up the pieces because they were always grifter criminals in the first place. Thanks for listening to Hot Takes of a Cult Kid and Keep critical thinking. Partakes of a cult kid. Check out frankieTease.substack.com for more information.